You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Happy Red Friday to everybody out there. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Well, it's technically Friday, but you know what I meant. I told you all we'd be here. I told you all if you go listen to our AFC Championship episode, I told you we would be here. And we're going to run this damn thing back. Jordan Anderson, Marcus Baker with me as always. Marcus, it's been about the longest damn week I can remember. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'll tell you what, yesterday was the fiance's birthday over here. And I don't want to admit this, but it was a little difficult staying focused. I mean, between Twitter and just what, what we're seeing on the Chiefs website, all these press conferences. It was difficult for me to detach for a few hours and just focus mainly on what's going on at home because there's just so much content to absorb, and I'm just excited. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of this season, looking to run it back. Here we are one step away from reaching that goal and uh, hoisting another Lombardi trophy. It's just it's an exciting time for Chiefs Kingdom, something I don't want to take for granted because this is very special. Most fan bases never get to experience this unless you're a New England Patriots fan or a Cowboys fan a decade ago or two. Um, just being able to be here two or two years in a row, and they're very different Super Bowl weeks from a COVID standpoint, the way it's affected, the way the media and everything's functioning. But we're making do, just like they have all season. They're making do, and they're getting the best out of everything they can. I think the players, it's a little bit more stale than maybe having all these media members in person. I've noticed the interviews are very like coach speak and kind of dull. And it, it's made it difficult too because the media members, usually in person, they kind of feed off of each other's questions and like interesting responses from the individual they're interviewing. That doesn't happen as much on Zoom because everybody has their own agenda and separate questions that don't really correspond with each other. So it's been interesting to watch those interviews and I'm just excited and looking forward to having an opportunity to run it back like we talked about all season. For sure. I'm, you know, I'm definitely excited for Sunday, but this week has, has felt like a month long. It really has. It's been, it's always, it always is, you know, when it comes to big games, it feels like the longest week ever, but we're a mere two days away and I cannot wait. Uh, 5.30 kickoff. We are going to be on CBS. Thank the Lord. No Joe Buck this year. No Troy Aikman. Uh, gonna miss out on Aaron Andrews, so that's disappointing. But other than that, we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. Five thirty kickoff at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Buccaneers are the first team in the Super Bowl era to have their own or host the championship and be in it. So, a little nervous there, but we're gonna give you guys a preview, our three impact players to watch as always, and then we're gonna cap it off with our make or break keys to victory. So, Marcus, let's go ahead and get into this. This isn't going to be week 12. It's not going to be like week 12. You know, we, we, I feel like we were dominating the complete first half of that game and, you know, even some a little into the third quarter. But Tom, you can't count Tom Brady out ever. I mean, see the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago. See Green Bay last week. Yeah, they had the lead and they almost blew it. You're not going to be able to do that with Kansas City. I'm sorry. But 
I'm a little nervous coming into this. We have a banged up O line. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay does have some banged up defenders as well, but not on their defensive line. So I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because I mean, what what's worrying you the most? Surprisingly, it's not really as much the offensive line play. It's more a functionality of can we schematically keep Pat upright? I mean, roundabout way, that is the offensive line play in general. But I'm not really worried about the players. I think they can only do what they can do. You know what I mean? Like each guy has strengths, but each guy has a lot of weaknesses that's going to start this Super Bowl. So I look more to Andy Reid and Andy Heck putting a system together and putting schemes together to help these linemen as best you can, whether that be through the halfback pass blocking game or working tight ends in there with Kelsey or using Kelsey as a blocker when necessary. I think that stuff's going to be very important. Uh, Chip blocks coming off the line. Um, Things like that are going to be intricate, I think, to neutralizing not just their outside rushers and Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, but also you look at a guy like Vita Vea coming back. He can bring that interior pass rush, and he's a monster next to Dynamic and Sue in the run game. So this is a defensive line that is comparable to what we saw last year in the Super Bowl. I would say San Francisco had a better unit, more youth. But then again, in moments like this, this may be a more dangerous unit because there's experience with the uh, exception of Vea. Everyone else has a lot of experience, whether it be in playoffs or just playing a lot of games in this league. When it comes down to crunch time in a game like this in the fourth quarter, I'd rather have the experienced guy than the young guy with immense talent because this isn't a very experienced offensive line, and it's an offensive line with a lot of problems. So I think their intellect and their age may help them on that defensive line when it comes late game, being able to execute and understand what the Chiefs are trying to do to prevent them to getting from getting to Patrick. Excuse me. So I think it's going to be probably the deciding factor in the game because I think the only thing that can stop the Chiefs offensively is the Chiefs offensively being that offensive line. So do you see, and we know a little bit about uh, you know people like Nadam can sue his past and you know his dirty plays and stuff like that. Do you see him taking a shot at Mahomes or someone like that taking a shot at Mahomes? Honestly, I don't think so. I say that for one reason. Really two reasons. I think Tom Brady wants to beat Mahomes. I think they've developed a culture there that's a little different than what we've seen in the previous stops that Sue's had in his career. I think that's a tough defense, but I don't think that's a dirty defense. Todd Bowles has never been a guy that's created systems like that or cultures like that, and I don't think that'll be tolerated. And we know we know how our, our guys will step up and defend Patrick in situations like that. Um, but honestly, if I am Sue, I couldn't do it because if you hurt him, I think the anger – and the motivation that would give to all the other pieces on this team, you could still lose the game. So I don't think there's anything to gain. Because the last thing you want to do in these type of moments is give guys like Tyree Kill, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Travis Kelsey, you don't want to give those guys anger and motivation. Because they can say they're angry, but nothing makes you more angry than somebody trying to hurt the face of your team, your future, your shot, basically, year in and year out. 
it's a bad idea if you're Sue or anybody on the Tampa defense because you're going to pay if you do something like that. And you better hope to God that he doesn't get up if you try it because the last thing you want is him angry. For sure. Yeah, I, and I completely agree with that. I And, you know, I haven't really seen uh, Nanamik and Sue make any dirty plays this year. Off the top of my head, I can't remember any. But, you know, just from his past, I'm not sure – some of that goes away. You know, you look at people like Vontez Perfect, who it never went away. Um, but, you know, it's it remains to be seen. I don't think it's going to happen either. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But yeah, I think some of it, just my last piece on this, I think some of it was frustration. If you look at the situations where he has been logged being a quote-unquote dirty player, he's been in situations where they haven't had this kind of success, this kind of opportunity. I think he understands as a veteran how special this opportunity is, and I don't think he'll put himself in a position to get injected. I mean, I get doing moment. I get doing it in Detroit because I mean, you want to do everything you can for them to kick you off the team to get out of there. So, right. I mean, I, Campbell's probably a little bit upset because that is a guy that would bite some kneecaps off. That's a fact. <laughs> for sure. I uh, like I said, I don't expect him to do it, but uh, you know, we'll see on Sunday. Let's get into our impact players to watch. They're kind of cut and dry as they've been for the last three weeks, uh, you know, in the playoffs. But let's go ahead and start with uh, Tampa here. We have Buffalo Bills in our notes, but they are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Marcus, go ahead and give me your three. <laughs> well, as you can tell, folks, I didn't update the outline on that part. Um, for me, though, I think, like you said, this is cut and dry. We're at the stage now where it's more about Jimmys and Joes than X's and O's, and that's what we see here in the playoffs. You look at these high-quality players, and these are the guys that are going to make or break somebody's ability to win the game. So for Tampa, we've got Tom Brady. I mean, that one's obvious as can be, of course. If he's comfortable and they're rolling offensively, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a game where the Chiefs have to be able to protect Mahomes to score points consistently. And Tampa can very easily do it with the weapons they have, and we'll get to that in here in just a second. The second guy, though, Levante David. I think this guy is undoubtedly their heartbeat defensively. This is a guy that's been in this system. Facts. I think he That is facts. I think he bleeds this Tampa red and brown or whatever colors you want to give him. I just I think a guy like this in a moment like this, he understands how special it is for this franchise. He's been through some terrible, terrible seasons. I mean, the man was there, I believe, when they were in position to draft Jameis Winston first overall. So he's had a lot of painful years filled with a lot of losses. I think he's a guy that's going to take this game and absorb the moment, understand how special it is, and play his best football. But the question is, is he going to be able to? Because we've seen here recently that he's been dealing with some injury issues. And if I'm a defensive player, especially a linebacker, the last thing I want to see if I'm on a bad wheel is 87 across from me. And I'm worried for him that that's going to be the situation. But we'll see uh, how the injury plays out. It's going to be a big part in his ability to make an impact. But I think if he's 100%, he's a guy that's going to be a difference maker. Because we've seen Devin White has incredible athleticism. But we've seen him susceptible to making mistakes and being able to be fooled by the quarterback's eyes and dummy movements and things. Um, I think Mahomes can abuse Devin White in coverage. I really do. Because he is incredible with his eyes and incredible with 
basically ineffective movement or like dummy movements that aren't actually doing anything that are just set up to fool the defender. And Devin White bites a lot. He bites a lot in the RPO game. He bites a lot trying to defend the run play. He's very easy to pull the ball up on and hit a slant because he over-pursues. He's so athletic that he attacks everything. And I think we kind of see that sometimes with Willie Gay. A lot of these guys that are high athleticism linebackers, they let their traits do the talking more than their brain sometimes, I believe. And he's one of those guys. So I think Levante David will be a balancing factor, a calming factor in that defense. Be the guy to tell Devin White, hey, this is what they're doing to you. Fix it, essentially. Or, hey, I'm not in a position where I can stay with Kelsey. We got to switch. I think his intellect and his experience is going to be big from on that front. And then third guy, it's got to be Mike Evans for me. Just because Chris Godwin, he's had injury problems this season. And he's disappeared in multiple moments this year. He hasn't had the greatest postseason. But this offense, when he's on, is electric. But I think they'll use Mike Evans to stay in rhythm. I think they'll use Mike Evans to move the football efficiently and then take deep shots when they're available to guys like Godwin and Scotty Miller on the Chiefs' second or third corner or what have you, whether it be the deep deep safety or whatever they're doing defensively. I just I think Mike Evans' his jump ball ability, his physical dominance, if he can catch the football, which he's had some issues with in recent weeks and here in the playoffs in big moments, it didn't come back to bite him and they've been able to make it through the games regardless. But if Mike Evans doesn't show up and catch the football consistently and get open, I think Tampa's going to have a hard day. So I think Mike Evans is a very big impact guy, and if he's rolling and Tom's comfortable, the Chiefs are in trouble. And I think the only the only substitution I would make here, um, instead of Mike Evans, I would put Rob Gronkowski. Because, I mean, you look at Brady, you look at Gronkowski, they're notorious chief killers. And, you know, they have been for a while. We, be, I mean, we beat them week 12, I get that, but Gronk still had over 100 yards receiving. Dropped a touchdown, though. Um, but he had one play for 50 yards where, he, you know, he looks back to form. He looks back to Gronk and... You know, that's worrisome because you don't know who's going to cover him. You don't know if it's going to be Tyron Matthew. You don't know if it's going to be Daniel Sorensen who covered him in week 12. You're just not sure there. But Gronk can also block pretty well, too. And, you know, their run game is a bit concerning, too. I, I would put Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette as like a 3B or 3C here in our uh, players to watch because I think Ronald Jones is good. I think they don't give him enough touches. And, you know, if they would, they would just add another dynamic weapon to their offense. But I, I look for the Chiefs to apply pressure early. I really do. And, you know, see if we can't get to Tom Brady and get him to throw some picks like uh, like Green Bay did to get themselves back in the game uh, a few weeks ago. But moving on to Kansas City side, it's, it's the obvious. It's number 15. It's the best quarterback in football. It's Patrick Mahomes. You know, he, he set his toes near 100%. Even 95, I'm going to take Pat Mahomes all day. He's the best against the blitz, and you know Tampa's going to bring it with our banged-up offensive line. I expect him to disguise blitzes, stuff like that. So Pat Mahomes, number one. Next guy is Travis Kelsey, who I think is absolutely going to feast on the Tampa Bay linebackers who have been banged up recently, especially Levante David, like you mentioned a little bit ago. Um, You know, if they play man, that's Kelsey all day, one-on-one. You can't really guard him one-on-one because his routes are just so clean and he's good at getting off. Uh, if you play zone, he's just going to find a hole and sit in it. 
that's where Mahomes is most dangerous because, you know, he gets out of the pocket, extends plays, and Travis, Col- Travis Kelsey knows every time where he's going to throw the ball. So I look for that duo to have a huge, monstrous game. You know, they're going to be focusing on Tyreek Hill a lot. I get that. Kelsey's going to have a heyday. Um, last guy is Chris Jones. I'm going to put Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew all in the same category right here because the number one thing I want to see is leadership from all three of them. We have all year. They all show up in playoff games for the most part. I look for Tyron Matthew to steal the show here and be the first defensive MVP uh, that we've had in a long, long time in the Super Bowl. That is, that's my bold prediction for the game. And, you know, I've been, I've been pretty well right on my bold predictions for the last two playoff games. So I'm going to go here. Tyron Matthew, Super Bowl MVP. What do you got? I can't, I can't disagree with you. I think if there's anybody that's not 15 that can win this award on defense, especially, I think it's Matthew because I think Tom Brady's going to give them opportunities to make plays. We saw it last time they suited up against Green Bay. He had a lot of forced throws. He had a lot of bad decision-making. And ultimately, Green Bay about came back. I mean, they were down double digits, I think, in the second half. And they ended up coming back in the game, and it was a nail-biter there at the end. Tampa closed it out. So this team's susceptible to giving up yards and giving up points. And that's a scary thought if you're going against Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs unit with Andy Reid at the helm. And I, I want to ask you I, real quick. I know it's a little off script, but you're good. What do you think the biggest difference is between San Francisco last year in the Super Bowl and Tampa this year? What's the biggest key difference, in your opinion? The schemes are very different. This isn't a standard like cover three oriented coverage. They play a lot of man. They play a lot of press. They have big, dominant, physical corners who can put hands on you and knock you out of rhythm. This is a defense that really relies on their front seven, their aggressiveness, their physicality. This defense is very aggressive. That's what I would say, aggressive. And Robert Salah's unit in San Francisco, they were aggressive at times, but really they were more aggressive with their front four, and then they would bring Fred Warner in certain situations. But they were more of a pass coverage-oriented defense. And they use their linebackers a lot in coverage to assist the zone-based scheme that they use in coverage in that cover three system. And I think they also had some ineptitudes at corner with, uh, oh, what was that kid's name? Whitehead, I think. I can't remember. They had one DB that was very bad. And then Richard Sherman, he's oh, no, limited in what he can. Witherspoon, Yellow yes. Witherspoon. Okay. Whitehead, Whitehead yeah, plays for Tampa. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Witherspoon, he had struggled going into the game. Richard Sherman had clearly lost a step physically from a speed standpoint. I think they used their linebackers to basically hide issues with the defensive backs, and I don't think Tampa has to do that. They have a very talented, very young, athletic group. But if I'm Todd Bowles, and they won't do it because of the production that Tyreek Hill had, you cannot play press man with no safety help on Tyreek Hill. You can't even do that on McCole Hardman. So there's no excuse for ever doing it against Tyreek Hill. And like you said and alluded to, I really don't think that we'll see that at all. I think they're going to bracket coverage a la Bill Belichick-type approach towards stopping and neutralizing Tyreek Hill. So I do expect Travis Kelsey to have a big day. And if if you're Tampa, you got to kind of pick your poison 
And I think they're going to go with the dink and dunk to Kelsey opposed to the 50, 60 yard bombs to Hill. And I expect Sammy Watkins to have a very big game because I think they're going to put a lot of resources to stop Travis Kelsey and to stop Tyreek Hill. But at that point, I mean, you can only cover so much. At that point, you're leaving, at bare minimum, Hardman and Watkins open. Or not necessarily open, but probably. I mean, the way they run, the way this team schemes things. And we've seen how Andy likes to get Sammy involved in these playoff games early and often. He's a rhythm guy. He's a sticks receiver that has yard after the catch ability. He can be just as much of a safety blanket as Travis Kelsey. So I look forward to seeing how they approach that. But to answer your question fully, I just think that this is a much more aggressive defense in Tampa than what we saw last year in San Francisco. Yeah, I was just curious to get your opinion on it. I, you know, I I have to agree with you. I, I don't know. I, I think they have some mismatches, some holes there in the defense, and I hope we take advantage of them, but that remains to be seen. i uh, got a couple more questions before we get into our make or breaks. Sammy Watkins is going to be back, and we know he had some big plays there in the Super Bowl last year. Do you expect Sammy to make a huge impact again? Yeah, and I mean, I kind of alluded to that just very briefly in this last, last little answer that I gave, but at a certain point, you can only do so much to stop people especially a unit like this, if Mahomes has got enough time to execute his throws and get through his reads, because, I mean, you and I both know in most situations, unless they're trying to get Sammy Watkins going and give him some confidence with him being rusty, which we really well, very well could see with Andy Reid, he really likes to use Sammy Watkins in big moments. Okay, because I, guess I, should, I guess I should have reworded it. Sorry. Do you expect it to be more Sammy Watkins or do you expect more McCole Hardman? I think it'll be Watkins because I think the way that they've been playing, they're going to, I think they're going to prepare for Hardman because that's speed you can't really prep for. So you have to be ready for it. With Watkins, he's got that speed, but he's probably a 4 4 guy now with all these injuries, maybe 4 5. It's not the same speed that we saw when he came in the league. Right. I mean, you look at, you look at Hardman, he's a 4 3 and some change on a bad day. And then, of course, we know what Tyreek Hill brings to the table from a speed standpoint. So I think with just the dominance of Travis Kelsey, they're going to really focus on the deep speed in Hill and Hardman and trying to limit what we do with Kelsey. So I think at that point, it's going to leave Sammy Watkins one-on-one. And they play a lot of press man, like I alluded to. I think Sammy's going to get a lot of situations where he's got a corner on the line of scrimmage trying to bump him, get in his face, and get in his head. I, we know Sammy. We know he's a mentally tough guy. I don't think they have the ability to do so. But I think that's a situation where we're going to see a lot of press, one-on-one coverage with no safety help. And the question is, is Sammy healthy enough? And has Sammy still got what it takes to beat that? I think he does. And I think he could have a huge impact like we saw last year in the Super Bowl when it's a moment where you need a big play. He's going to make the play, be open in the big moment against that press coverage. And we may not have to rely on guys like Hill and Kelsey like we normally have to to get the rhythm just because Watkins hasn't been in the game. So one more question here. There's one thing that people aren't talking about as much, and it's the weather. Uh, Tampa is an outdoor stadium. They're expecting thunderstorms. I think there's 70% chance right now. Do you think maybe we catch Tampa off guard and try to run the ball more than we try to pass it? I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't either. I was just I, thinking, do you, I just, do you think maybe they try to shock him or, you know, because it, it's hard to throw the ball in the rain. This is the reality. That front seven, they don't give up running yards. They just don't. That front seven, when healthy, and they haven't been healthy in a while, getting Vita Vea back to pair next to Sue, and then what you have on the perimeter and JPP and Shaq, Barrett, it's not a unit that I feel like you can even run with any success, especially if you look at what's going on with our offensive line. I don't think we can get the push against that type of talent to make it effective. So I feel like it's just a wash play. Like I feel like you're just basically lighting that little piece of paper on fire. I don't feel like we'll have a lot of running success. The only way I could see them having success is if the boxes are so light because we're dominating in the pass game, which is very possible. They may then go to the run, but I think you have to establish the pass game first and establish that rhythm. And I think you have to score a few times and be dominant in the pass game before the run game opens up for you. But like I said, look at last year, that's pretty much what they did. Mahomes did a lot of things with his feet, He and we did a lot of things with Damian Williams because Robert Salah last year took away everything but that. But we saw in big moments, Hill on the Wasp play, Watkins down the right sideline, going in for a score late. Our guys still, <clears throat> excuse me, still made plays when it mattered. But they're going to take what they're given. This team has the ability to move the ball methodically. They're very, very solid group of protecting the football. They don't turn the ball over, knock on wood. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if they can maintain that and keep the offense flowing effectively and efficiently, whether that be through the run game or the pass game. But like I said, I think you have to set up a dominant pass game before the run game opens up. And it's even a possibility against this Tampa front seven. Yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, I'm right there with you on that. Uh, it's now time for our make or break keys to victory. Marcus, let's go ahead and start with Tampa. Um, offensively, what do you think Tampa is going to do? Oh, by the way, time's yours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure is. Um, with that being said, though, for Tampa's offense, I think they've got to establish a run game. You have to attack the Chiefs' weakness defensively, and that is their run defense. It's 21st in the league. They are susceptible to giving up run plays. The only counter is Tampa Bay has a 28th-ranked rushing offense. So it's not as much will they do it, it's can they. And we've seen in recent weeks through the playoffs, and I think the 28th-ranked, of course, is in the regular season. I think since the playoffs have begun, if you look statistically and break it down deep, Leonard Fournette's been one of, one of the, if not the best running back in this playoff. I think if Tampa can get that run game going early, I think they're going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. You look at guys like Tristan Wirfs, uh, Ali Marpet's a very solid lineman. They have pieces. Okay, I wouldn't say necessarily dominate. That's a little overblown because Chris Jones is so effective in big moments. I think there's going to be uh, penetration uh, defensively, and I think they're going to make impacts. And a guy like Derek Naughty that's been playing out of his mind this year can have a very big role in this defensive game plan for the Chiefs. But for Tampa, you have to establish a run game. It's going to allow Tom Brady to see lighter boxes, you know, 
And honestly, you have to work this offense. And this is what I've been saying for pretty much this whole week on what it, whether it be Twitter or just talking to people in person. This Tampa offense, it functions off their run game. And I don't think a lot of people know that. They see Tom Brady. They see the, fa- uh, the flashy receiver weapons. It functions off of running success early. They start their system and they run. And when that running gets stopped, which it has, like I said, they have a 28th unit. They show the, oh, what do you want to say? Wherewithal or willingness to run the ball. And then when defenses adjust to that, then they get into their play action passes. They get into their bootlegs and their deep shots with these big weapons. I think it's going to be important for them to establish that run game because this Chiefs defense is very hard to throw against. They're 14th in the league in passing yards. It's in the front half. It's not an incredible stat, but we know what these defensive backs can do in big moments. guy like Daniel Sorensen, Tyron Matthew, they make big plays when big plays are there to be had in big games. I think if Tampa's smart, they get that run game going, set up the play-action pass, which then will allow those deep shots to guys like Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. But I think regardless of the approach, I think early in the game it'll be a lot of running or attempted running from Tampa. But I think throughout the grand scheme of things in this actual game, Tampa's going to put an emphasis on their pass game to attempt to control the game and the pace. I think Tampa knows this is going to be a shootout, and I think Kansas City thinks it's going to be a shootout, and they're going to prepare accordingly. So if you're Tampa, start early with the run. If it's effective, stick with it, and then use your play-action pass game off of that. But if it's ineffective, you just have to pass the ball. You can't be stubborn. There's no need for balance against this Chiefs team because, in my opinion, if you have a guy like Tom Brady in moments like these, you have to put the ball in his hand as frequently as possible. If he, if he throws the ball 40-plus, 50-plus times, I honestly think that'll put him in the best situation. I just think they need to run early to show the willingness so the Chiefs have to respect it. But I don't expect that to be their primary focus from a schematic standpoint for, throughout the entire entirety of the game. Because like I said, it's going to have to be a shootout. You have to score seven. You can't take three. And risking drives stalling later on in the game through the run game, it's just too big of a risk. So I expect aggressive pass game, getting Brady in his play-action pass game. And I think they're really going to focus over the middle of the field early. Uh, in, co- in coordinates to the run game, they're going to focus on getting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in rhythm and hitting those big plays, giving Tom confidence, because I think they're going to need those big shot plays to move the ball efficiently and effectively against this Chiefs defense. And I don't know if they'll be able to do it, because when you see – the stepped-up play and 100% Juan Thornhill playing that center field role. And then we know what Tyron Matthew can do. And Daniel Sorensen seems to play out of his mind in big moments. It's going to be difficult, but basically long-winded. I do apologize, but cut and dry summary. Run the ball early. Use your play-action pass game. If the running's effective, keep doing that. If not, start taking your shots. And getting your guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Tom Brady in rhythm, giving them confidence and riding that through the remainder of the game. Because in this game, you're going to have to score seven instead of three if you have any shot to beat Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense. Yeah, and defensively, it starts with Kansas City's offensive line. Uh, I know we talked about it earlier, but you have to take advantage of the holes on Kansas City's offensive line. I, I most definitely expect Tampa to come out and overload that left side with the new left tackle. They're going to try to get to Mahomes as early as they can, as often as they can. The one or the 
one biggest piece of advice I can give Tampa is get Mahomes on the ground. You know how good he is at escaping the pocket. You know how good he is at extending plays when he's outside the pocket. You have to get him on the ground. If you look back to last year, San Francisco got a ton of pressure. I thought Nick Bosa was going to get him every snap. But Mahomes knows how to wiggle his way out of the pocket and extend plays. And ultimately, that won us the football game. But you absolutely have to get him on the ground or you're going to be in for a long night. Um, you know, you got to disguise your blitzes, hide your coverages, maybe force Pat to throw a pick. If you go back to the New England film, uh, his first year starting, New England did a fantastic job disguising their coverages, playing that uh, zero blitz coverage and hiding their linebackers behind it. But, you know, force some turnovers. I think the ultimate key here, you have to get at least two or three stops back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back of the Chiefs not scoring to have a chance to win. Because if you keep the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, it's just a matter of time before they strike. And if they keep scoring, you're not going to be able to keep up with them. So you have to get stops. You have to get Mahomes off the field. And as Marcus said on the offensive side of the ball, you have to keep Tom Brady on the field because that's your biggest key to winning right there. Make sure Carlton Davis has help over the top this time. Uh, I have that in bold print here. Make sure he has help over the top this time trying to cover Tyree Kill or you're going to get the same result. So I look for the safeties to play a little deeper than usual. Uh, They've been a little banged up as well, so I look for them to maybe have an advantage pre-snap and play a little deeper to watch those deep routes. But then again, if you do that too much, Tyree Kill's going to find a hole. Travis Kelsey's going to find a hole. And it's going to be a long, long night for the Tampa Bay defense. Um, I do expect them to absolutely blitz, you know, 75% of snaps. I seriously think they're going to come after this Chiefs offensive line, knowing that they're banged up, knowing that you have new experienced guys in there. And, you know, you'll see where it goes from there. But like I said, uh, take advantage of the O-line, get Carlton Davis some help, and, you know, don't 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 bite too much. But moving to the offensive side of the ball for Kansas City, um, you know, it it's a broken record at this point. You got to score early, score fast, let your playmakers make plays. Like we said earlier, Travis Kelsey is our impact guy that we're watching for. I really think that he is going to shred those Tampa Bay linebackers to pieces with their injuries and, you know, with Devin White, like Marcus alluded to earlier, biting on a lot of RPOs, stuff like that. I look for the Chiefs to implement that early. We know they like that first play RPO uh, just to see what Tampa's going to come out in and see how their linebackers are going to play and move. So as we all know, it's damn near impossible to cover Kelsey one-on-one playing man, and he's too good not to find a hole to sit down in the zone. So I look for Kansas City to possibly use the run game as well with how the weather's supposed to be. That's why I asked Marcus earlier. Uh, Maybe it catches Tampa off guard. Maybe it doesn't, but I think you have to at least try to get a boost, whether that be Darrell Williams, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, maybe some Le'Veon Bell. But like I said, I expect Tampa to come out guns blazing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, So we need to have a back back there helping pass pro. It'll probably be Darrell Williams because Clyde is a little – he's a little smaller, you know, not as experienced with the pass pro there. Maybe Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell is very good at it as well. well. So – at least very, at least chip off the defensive end to get out in the screen game. If they're blitzing a whole bunch, expect a lot of screens, wide receiver screens, tight end screens, back to Kelsey, and of course screens to the running back. Le'Veon Bell, that's where he feasts at. Same with Clyde. So uh, that being said, if you blitz too much, like I said, Mahomes is statistically the best quarterback off the blitz, and I expect nothing less here, even with a banged up offensive line. Uh, for the big game, forget sportsmanship when it comes to scoring. As we know, Tom Brady's a big game heroic. Uh, I have here Exhibit A, Atlanta. Uh, If Week 12 is any indication, they don't like to go away. Like I said, we were blowing them out 
in the first half, and we let them back in, and we ended up winning by three. Could have easily went the other way. So we have to keep the foot on the gas pedal, and let's run this damn thing back. I can't disagree. I liked everything you said. Um, interested to see how the blitz works, but I think you have to do it if you're Todd Bowles. It's kind of a pick your poison. If you don't get pressure on him, you have no shot. Um, but for the defense there in Kansas City, I think they've got to focus on doing whatever it takes to get pressure on Brady. They have to knock him out of his rhythm and get him rattled. You know what I mean? At this guy's age, I mean, through a full game, come fourth quarter, he's going to start feeling those hits. And we know Tom Brady's a guy that gets a little skittish if you hit him a lot. And I think it's going to be very important for Chris Jones to collapse that pocket frequently, to for Frank Clark to be hitting him on his blind side every opportunity he gets. You cannot let this offense get into rhythm. You can't let these pass catchers get into rhythm. I mean, I'm just going to list off these weapons they have. You look at a guy like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, even. I mean, they have the, the pieces with the greatest quarterback of all time from an accomplishment standpoint. Nobody steps up bigger and better in big moments than this guy in number 12 under center there in Tampa. I think the Chiefs are going to have to let that front seven be aggressive. That's what we've seen. This is the difference between the Justin Houston, Bob Sutton defense and what we're seeing in the Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Steve Spagnuolo system. The aggressiveness is the difference maker. We've had talent in the past, but having this aggression, having a coordinator that knows we got to bring pressure, and he knows how to beat Tom Brady. He knows how to rattle Tom Brady, and he's done it. He's done it twice in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Spags brings to the table. Um, I think, and we've talked about this all season, you've got to generate that consistent pressure, but you've got to sell out for the pass. You look at this unit, Tampa Bay, they're 28th in rushing offense. But on the other side of the coin, they're second passing offense and second passing touchdowns. You have to sell out to stop the pass and just hope the run doesn't beat you at that point. They're 15th in rushing touchdowns, so they have had some productiveness. I mean, right there in the middle of the league, they can hurt you if you let them. But I think you have to focus primarily on that pass game. And if they beat you in the run game, it is what it is. But you got to let your talent make plays. You look at a guy like Derek Naughty, Chris Jones, Frank Clark's incredible at setting the edge. I think we have the talent naturally in that front seven to stop the run game without having to basically devote extra resources to doing so. So play aggressive. Make sure your guys understand the discipline and gap integrity it's going to take defensively to stop this run game if they're using it. But don't let them deter deter from being aggressive. If the run game beats you for 30 yards, they still have to throw the ball more than likely against this unit, to score. The Chiefs do only rank 21st against the against the run. It is their weakness, but I think they have the talent to where against the opposing offense there in Kansas City, if they're giving up chunk run plays, that's not going to be equivalent to the chunk pass plays the Chiefs are basically achieving on the other side. I think you can give up the run, and if they're not beating you deep for 50, 60 yards, they're not scoring at the same pace, therefore not beating you. And we've looked in the history of this team. A lot of people think, oh, time of possession, run the ball, keep Mahomes on the sideline. It hasn't worked. The teams that have beat us, it's cut and dry, end of story. You have to score 30-plus points to beat this team. It's just the end of story. Nobody's done it without 30-plus points. That's your marker, in my opinion, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs defense. 
It has to be 30 or less, preferably less. But I think the way to do that, like I said, is get pressure consistently on Tom Brady, hit him, make him feel the pain of a full game in this moment, in this situation, in the Super Bowl. Make him want to retire when the situation's over. Make him understand that he can't take the punishment of this game. I think it's very important for Chris Jones to dominate there in the interior. Frank Clark to get his, get his essentially. We've seen him all week on Twitter talking about how they're motivated. We see what Tyron Matthew talks about, Chris Jones talks about. These guys are ready. They have that fire. They have that fight. They're ready to go. They're ready to play. Get that pressure. Allow that secondary to make plays. You have the guys in here that can get the picks. They can get the pass deflections. They can blitz and force Brady to make errant throws. If I'm Kansas City, I blitz four as much as possible and drop seven because I feel more confident, and I've felt this way all season, I feel more confident in Frank Clark, whoever the opposing defensive end, and Chris Jones' ability to get home in a four-man blitz with solid coverage on the back end than blitzing six or seven guys and basically hanging our coverage out to dry, and then it's a slant route, and it's an easy completion. That's what we've seen this year. And if you are Spagnuolo, I know you're going to be aggressive. It's what you do. I'm okay with that. But blitz the right guys. I don't want to be. I don't want to see 56 coming on a blitz all game. I don't even really want to see 49. Do I don't it. want to see 56 in the game. If I mean, if we're yeah, but that's the situation, unfortunately, with Willie Gay Jr. being hurt. But yeah, no, I fully agree. I am worried that he's going to be attacked the entire game in the past game. We've seen Tom Brady pick a guy out in the past with New England against his Chiefs defense and repetitively attack that one person. I think Ben Neiman could be the guy in this game. So you have to do what you can to protect him schematically the best you can. It's a difficult task, of course, but I look for this defense. I mean, the fire's there. They've got the playmaking ability. They've got to get that pressure, force Brady to make errant throws, and just capitalize. The game, The name of the game for the Chiefs' defense is stops and turnovers. It's just like any game that's run in the middle. But if you turn this team over, they're not going to be able to walk stride for stride or run stride for stride with the Chiefs' offense. Taking away two possessions could be the difference in this game, and that's just the reality. If the run games beat you, so be it. But stop the pass, stop the pass, stop the pass. It's that simple. Let that run game beat you because at the end of the day, I haven't, I haven't seen a run game yet that can run step for step with Patrick Mahomes and his arm. So, I mean, that's pretty much all I've got. I think that the defense has the fire and the playmakers to make this happen. I think they can make Brady uncomfortable. I think they can get to him consistently, force bad throws, and our defensive backs have the talent and basically the vision to be in position and the instincts to make the plays. You look at guys like Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill's been playing out of his mind. Rashad Breeland was a star the last time we played Tampa Bay. I really expect this Chiefs defense to step up. I think they're going to be the difference in the game, and I do expect them to hold the Bucks under 30. In my uh, projection on tailgaters, I said that they were going to score more than 30, but really I sat here and think about it. I see what we're seeing on Twitter from these dominant star power defensive players in Kansas City. I think they're going to be ready to play, and I think they're going to take personal at this team or that the national media is calling this a shootout. So I think that's going to be the approach for Tampa. I think they're going to try to make it a shootout, but I look for the Chiefs to shock the world yet again. We saw it last year in Super Bowl 54. You've got Big Red walking over to Tyron Matthew, lead lead this team, 
lead these guys. This is why you're here. You're the best in the business. Word for word, exactly what Andy said. I don't disagree. I think this defense is going to come ready to play. I think they're going to come fired up, and they're going to make plays because that's what they do. In the big moments, this defense shows up. I think it's going to be no different this Sunday. And it's not just another Sunday for this fan base, but I think this team thinks it is. I mean, we've been doing this. We've done been doing this. We're running it back. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for it. And I think that we have everything we need to beat Tom Brady finally and see Mahomes take the throne at the top of the NFL and start his pursuit in chasing Tom Brady to be the GOAT. Give me your Super Bowl MVP. Your your realistic Super Bowl MVP. Realistic Super Bowl MVP. I think it has to be Mahomes because I think if the Chiefs win, he's going to have to play well enough to have three or four touchdowns. And I think with a guy of that star power, if he drops three or four touchdowns, I think there's no way he doesn't win the MVP. So that's my realistic. Um, dream MVP would probably be Tyron Matthew or Chris Jones, like you said. No, honestly, best case scenario would be Frank Clark. That would be the best case scenario. If Frank Clark just wrecks havoc the whole game, has tackles for loss, has pass deflections, multiple sacks, forced fumble. If he comes into the game and plays like that, which he is capable of doing, we've seen it in I the I think playoffs. it definitely gets people off would, his back if that's the case. Yeah, I'd love to see it because he shows up in big moments, and I think this will be another instance where he can do so. And I think if he does, he may get the recognition he deserves for that part. For sure. Um, as I said on Casey Tailgater's show, uh, I'm going to go 38-28 Kansas City. I just think we score too much. And like you said, if you can't get at least 30, you're, you're not going to be able to beat the Chiefs. So 38-28, Mahomes – MVP, uh, I would love to see Tyron Matthew win it. And honestly, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with it. That's my bull prediction. Tyron Matthew's going to win Super Bowl MVP. He's going to have a couple picks, and he's going to have some pass breakups, and I think he's going to make some huge key plays, uh, maybe force a fumble or two. I, I'm i definitely looking forward to watching Tyron Matthew play. You know, he's big. He's Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Marcus, you have anything else before we get off here? I am going to go ahead and give my official score prediction. Um, I'm going to do, like I said, I think the Chiefs defense is going to step up. I expect, like you said, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, I think they're going to show up in big moments and make plays. Look for a guy like LeJarius Sneed or Juan Thornhill to step up, show that they're belonging on this stage, that they're the future of this secondary. I think they're going to make plays. Um, I'm going to go 33-27 Kansas City. And as far as anything else, I just first and foremost, I want to thank everybody that's listened to us all year. It's been a wild ride. We've, I mean, Jordan's had COVID. I've, or luckily, been able to avoid contracting COVID. But it's been a been a weird year. Been a year where you appreciate things more than ever. We didn't know if we'd be here. We didn't know if we'd get a football season let alone running it back. We're here. We're in a position to uh, ho- hoist. That word gives me problems if you can't tell, apparently. Uh, another Lombardi trophy. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I think this team deserves it. This fan base deserves it. This owner deserves it. This head coach, more importantly, deserves it, and this quarterback does as well. Um, I'm excited to see what Sunday brings. I'm excited to be with family, have a Super Bowl party. I know Jordan's going to have his own that they're pretty excited about over there. We're talking wings. We're talking cheese dip. We're talking – Kick, uh, kicking up the smoker. I think we're going to do some brisket. 
Um, I'm looking forward to just being around Chiefs Kingdom at the end of the day, spending time with my family and enjoying another Super Bowl. We don't know how many of these we'll get. We take everyone in stride. We appreciate everyone, and hopefully we can come out with a victory and put hashtag ran it back there at the end. That's that's the best-case scenario for me and, and mine here, and I know that's the same for Jordan and his there. I just I'm looking forward to another opportunity to play football. This is the last one. Enjoy it. This is going to be an exciting offseason with the cap situation being kind of up in the air. A lot of veterans, I think, are going to change teams because of the cap. It's just an exciting time in the NFL and an exciting time in Chiefs Kingdom, and I want to make sure that all of our viewers understand how much we appreciate them, understand we're excited about the ride that we've been on, looking forward to the future. And, Jordan, why don't you tell them what we've been doing recently with our buddies up in Canada? Yeah, so we were just featured on uh, Dine Sports uh, based out of Canada. They have some offices there in New York as well. Um, we just came off a Super Bowl preview show with them over on the Casey Tailgater Show. It's on our Twitter page if you guys want to go check that out. Uh, you know, we were featured on there with Locked On Bucks podcast who broke See, down the Tampa Bay side and how they're thinking, how they're feeling about the game. What'd you say? No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just, I was going to touch on it and just real quick before I finished, because I was kind of done there. I just wanted to say thank you to them, to Kyle for holding that interview. Um, and we enjoyed it and you can go ahead, but that's just what I wanted to say. I wanted to yeah, thank for, Kyle yeah. and those guys. I was getting there. Sure. I was getting there. But I just wanted to do it personally because I didn't really get the chance since, since it's been posted. I haven't got the opportunity to thank them. So I wanted to do that. And just once again, thank you guys for a great year. Looking forward to a Super Bowl, and we'll catch you later. From Marcus Baker, I'm out. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, for, <laughs> yeah. you did the old Mark Cuban Shark Tank. I'm out there. But anyway, guys, uh, just to reiterate what Marcus said, we appreciate you following along all year. It's been an awesome ride, and you know we're not going away. We, we're going to have the draft after this, and I know our Arrowhead Live draft team is looking forward to it. So you know we're going to have some coverage for you there uh, as far as the podcast goes. So stay tuned for that. But let's go do this damn thing. We're going to go do this damn thing. I've called it two weeks in a row. Make it three weeks in a row. We're going to run this damn thing back. Let's go get it. For Jordan Anderson, Marcus Baker, we will see you guys here in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Nosebleed Seats on the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!